So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, and um, with our eyes wide open, we're trying, even more so, not, not let them be just so consumed with, with the trouble going on in our world, but, but even more so consumed with the greatness of God, the promises of God, and the reality of God in all things. And we just pray, Father, I pray you'd help Help us to hear what you have to say in spite of myself. Help us to hear what you have to say today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I, um, I don't always do this, but I did just uh, send in my, my column for the November uh, paper. It won't come out for about nine, eight, nine or ten days, but... I, I felt like <clears throat> there's an urgency for whatever that I just need to share this today. And actually, it's, it's quite a bit. It's stuff I couldn't fit in in one page. So you get the expanded version. Um, but as I said, as I was preparing, I just sensed this little whisper, you have, have communion. We, a, we need a, a baseline, if you will. That it's the blood of Jesus. It's, it's his death, his resurrection that makes the difference in his Holy Spirit. We, we need to be dedicated and surrendered to him in these days, maybe like never before. Um, <clears throat> the scripture, um, one of which, it, Romans 13, 11, uh, you don't have to turn, to there, turn there, but I, if you've got a Bible, you might want to have it ready. If, or if you want to turn that, that's fine. But Romans 13, 11, <clears throat> Maybe we'll look at that real quick and then make some um, comments here. <clears throat> to get there, Romans thirteen eleven. I've entitled this "Understanding Present Times." It says this, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's time for us to wake up from our slumber. Now, that's not necessarily that, that a judgment statement on, on everyone here, but in, in a larger sense in the church in America. Uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with the headlines last few weeks, right? Uh, three weeks ago, yesterday, um, <clears throat> the terrible things that happened there in southern Israel. <clears throat> How Hamas, uh, they targeted civilians. They went into like suburbia, uh, Israel's version of suburbia. And peaceful uh, people who had were not holding guns, were not attacking them. And they went intentionally to just to do the worst of the worst. In fact, some have even said... The atrocities committed against the Israelites, the elderly, the women, children, babies, the vulnerable, um, was even worse than ISIS. And you have to work pretty hard to be worse than ISIS. Um, and, of course, we, we understand that it's no secret that, the, that Hamas and Hezbollah and others are just proxies of Iran and these kind of things. Um, 
And that we understand that also that Iran is a Shiite Muslim-led government. Uh, and, but even as saying that, that, different from Sunni, the Shiites hate the Sunnis because they feel they've compromised. They aren't true Muslims. Um, and, um, but it's the Shiite-led Muslim group, especially Iran, that, that promotes that, that, that saying, death to Israel and death to America. They say them side by side. And that first part especially is very consistent with the preamble of the Covenant of Hamas from 1988. The preamble includes this. Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before it. So don't be fooled to think that Hamas is just a liberation group uh, or that they want to they have some, their own little peaceful state next to Israel. They have no desire for that. We need to wake up from our slumber and understand the times, right? But I, w- I do want to just say, before I go any farther, it would be very wrong, very unfair to, to, con- to lump all followers of Islam, all Muslims, into this group. All right? That wouldn't be right either. Um, and so, the second thing, though, that I've become very aware of, uh, I guess I've always been aware of this, but... Really, the calling of, of a shepherd, really an under-shepherd under the good shepherd. Uh, you under, understand that the, the, in the New Testament, where you see shepherd, 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 is the same Greek word in Ephesians 4.11 that talks about pastors. It's the same word. So really, uh, it should be a shepherd there. And that really, the, the, the role in Acts 20, starting verse 27, you don't have to turn there, but, but the role, uh, Paul says for them to... You know, He's speaking to the elders. He says, keep watch over the flock that God has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God who he bought with his own blood. And in verse 29, he says, I know that when after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. But there are wolves. And so if, there are, if I see wolves, I have to be, I have to tell you. Not that I'm the only one who can see them. But God forbid, God forgive me if I were to get up here when there are wolves going after the church right now and I just kind of tried to pretend like everything's fine and make sure you felt happy when you left here. That's too much, too much of that has been going on in the American church. Verse 30 says, Even from your own number men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away to them. We see that, right? And so he says in verse 31, Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I, I, I never stopped warning you day and night with tears. First Timothy 3, uh, Paul tells Timothy how he urged him. When, when Paul says, When I went out to Macedonia, I said, Stay there in Ephesus so you can command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These provoke, promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. And so... Uh, and then, of course, uh, look, do turn in your Bible to this verse. This is pretty well. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Laying a groundwork. Just some of you all know all this, but just I want us all to be together. And, and understand where, what we're doing here today, what, what our role, what my role, our role is together. <clears throat> uh, 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.16, it says, 
almost all the scripture. No, you don't have that, right? All scripture is God-breathed, right? The the same idea of inspired, if if you have inspired, but the Greek word means actually God-breathed, like spirit. And is what? Useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Is there been a time where we need to be thoroughly equipped for every good work? Right? I mean, I mean, normal is, has gone out the window, and I think more normal is about to go out the window in the coming times. We need to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if the Word of God rebukes me, then let it rebuke me now. I'd rather have it now instead of in front of the throne. Amen? In 1 Corinthians, I think Cindy read, in 1 uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 11, if we judge ourselves now, we won't be judged. That's what he's talking about. If we, if we allow the Word of God to, to speak to us and correct us now, to hear what, what God's trying to tell us through people that, who love us but want to kind of help us out, then we will, we will be better off. Amen? And so, so God has good works for us to do. And we need His Word in our hearts and our minds. We need the Spirit of God filling us. Amen? And uh, so we might be equipped... And, of course, this, that whole thing is just an ongoing process. So let me just back. Uh, one, one thing, just to talk about Israel. I'm not going to focus on this so much. But whose land is it, right? Um, it, yeah, it's God's land. That's right, right. He made it, you know. It's, uh, but, it, again, in, in spite of, of all the, uh, the right, the, the, the uh, Rallies are going on to, you know, Israel's the occupier. You understand, just basically, there's a much better uh, uh, list, uh, historical list of the nations and the, and the peoples who were in this land. It was never Palestinians. There's no Palestinians. Um, let me tell you, 4,000 years ago, Jehovah's God said to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15, he said, I'm going to give you this land, right, um, to your descendants. It talks about, he talked about well, there'll be... There'll be uh, 400 years in a foreign land and stuff. Anyway, so 3,400 years ago, years ago, so 600 years later, but 3,400 years ago, roughly, Joshua led the Israelites and they took over the land. They destroyed the, the, mostly. They're supposed to do it all, but they didn't obey God. But the Canaanite kings, the various kind of Canaanite kings, and the Philistines. Now they didn't kill all the Philistines like they should have. And boy, did that come back to bite them later. All right. The Philistines were, their land was present-day Gaza. Ashkelon, Ekron, Ash, um, um, what are those other words? These are Gaza. These are all Philistine cities' names. And you understand that the Canaanites and the Philistines do not exist anymore. There are no such people. And it was promised to, to them. The residents in Gaza now are displaced people groups, uh, Arab-type folks descended from Ishmael, some possibly from e- uh, Esau, maybe some from Lot, some I'm reading. To, uh, 
But they were all in Genesis 20, uh, Genesis 25 and, and Genesis 36. It says where God gave them the other land south of Israel and then and then east and then north. So Iran, Iraq, uh, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, even Egypt now and, nor- and all across North, north um, Africa. That's their land. They have never had the land that we know of Israel. So now you know the rest of the story. All right? So the point is, the rec- for the record, is the people who are occupying anybody's land are the so-called Palestinians occupying Israel's land. But then again, our, our mainstream media doesn't really care about what, what the truth is. So, so this, this whole word, is understanding these things and seeing how, how as we, we, I think we're getting too used to how twisted the, the news media makes um, the reporting of, of events, especially if it's about Christians, about the church, or about Israel, how much they twist it. And, uh, um, but this whole this verse I read, Romans 13, 11, it's, and do this understanding the present time, that the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And so in a sense, there should be some sense of hope inside of us. Man, there, there's... There's some end time kind of stirrings going on. I'm, this is not the final battle necessarily, um, but boy, these are the these are the birth pangs. This world is in labor, right? And what's going to be birth is a new heaven and a new earth, and and our salvation. So in that, it's good. It's just you ladies who've had babies, you understand that the actual birthing process isn't very pleasant. All right, but. At the end, the joy that you have afterwards um, exceeds the pain. Amen? So we're going to go through some things. So the thing is we can't, especially as preachers and people who love God, congregation, we cannot afford to not, to not be awake. Uh, we must be awake to what's happening around this world. Otherwise, we're going to be caught off guard. And it's going to nail, it's going to level you. You'll be shocked. You'll be like, what? oh, what's going on in the world? We can't allow that to happen. October 7th, right? The, whatever, exactly what happened, who knows? But we do know the Israeli government was completely caught off guard. Just like we were on 9-11, 2001. There were signs, there was, there was evidence to point us, both them and us, that there's stuff going on, but they misinterpreted, oh, it's just this, dismissed it, and all these things. And the enemy loved that. And um, how, how do you know? I think we're awake now. Israel certainly is awake, but what a costly way to wake up. And um, so we understand what's going on, how evil evil is. Maybe we don't really, but we're just seeing evil like, It's just stunning, wouldn't you say? And then you pay attention to what's going on in America. On the first day of the current resident of the White House, he took power. He removed the safety measures that had secured our border. Whether you like Trump or not, he literally had the safest border we've ever had even got Mexico to put 29,000 of their own troops on their side of the border. We, the, we were 
being protected. He didn't just take that away. He, they welded some of the gates open, welded them open, and just flooded people in. He has really should be impeached. Yes, I said that out loud. Because as the chief executive of this nation, he is to execute the laws that the legislative branch has passed. And there are border laws, immigration laws, that are be- he's just turned his back on and not standing on them. Not to mention that the, the, I talked about the, the things about Iran, the sanctions on Iran as far as being able to sell oil. Likewise, he's turned his back and let them enrich themselves, build up their military, build up their proxies, and now execute this, this time. Um, but we have had millions. I think by the end of the year, what they estimate, about 7 million illegals have, have crossed into our uh, land. Um, there are about another 2 million gotaways. There have been days recently where in one day 10,000 illegals came across our border in one single day, most of them young, military-aged, single men. Now, let's just not get out of any fairy tale kind of mentality and let's recognize what's going on. That the enemies of freedom, they're smart. They see weakness and they will take advantage of weakness. We have a pathetically weak administration we have a powerful God. I want to add that. Amen. Amen. But you've got to, we have to recognize that, that these people like, the, I mean, Iran is, is the number one sponsor of terrorism in the world. And, and this administration, by their failed policies, has enriched them and empowered them. And they are sending out, you know what they come, the illegals, they come in here, right? They get money, they get cards, some get cell phones, and, a, and an airplane ticket to wherever you want to go. Let's, let's just wake up to the reality that our president, by his open border policy, has effectively staffed sleeper cells all around this nation. I'm not saying he intentionally did it. But he has. His process has done that. And we need to understand that time, what, what's happening right now, so we're not caught off guard, so we know what, how to pray, we know how to live, be sensitive to what God might be asking us. It is no longer if, but when we have another terrorist attack in America. Quite frankly, several. In fact, uh, you can be sure there are sleeper cells uh, around in Washington State, but the, there are four states that are specifically uh, revealed. Somebody sent me a a, a, a a thing just yesterday after I submitted my 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 um, column about sleeper cells, and uh, California, Michigan, New York, and North Carolina have some very active evidence of that going on. Even the former Speaker of the House, we'll talk about that in a minute, but Kevin McCarthy, he said just the other day, he said, we should wake up ourselves. We could have the same thing happen next week to us. Our intel is never perfect, and we've got an open border. Ultimately, I believe we as American Christians, we must be awake to the reality uh, that we are not, nor have we ever been in a political battle. We have always been in a spiritual battle. But the enemy was able to convince enough of the, of the body of Christ to talk about those things of being political and so shut up 
Forgive my French. Or maybe that's some other language. I don't know. But to be quiet, you've got to remove the light from, from the arena so darkness can reign. And have succeeded in, in doing so. And I absolutely believe that, we, that terror, terrorist attacks are coming and worse than we've ever seen. I believe that. In fact, I believe they must come. And this is my sense, all right? Um, and I, I just, because I believe God must judge America for 65 million babies and more being aborted. What that looks like is up to him, but he must do that. The blood of those babies cry out for justice. If you understand what happens in heaven, uh, the blood of the martyrs crying out from the altar. When are you going to uh, avenge our, our, our death? And, and, and God says, when, when, the full, when the time comes. How about just how many millions of, of children have been sex trafficked and sacrificed you know, even that's our southern border is just just a few months back. Uh, they were the one one of the House Senate committees was, was grilling the the uh, administrative administration's border people and asking, "Where are those eighty five thousand children that came across unaccompanied?" So we don't know. Listen, we know what happened to them, and it's a fearful reality. And God knows what's happened to them, and God knows how, why it happened to them. The number of women and children and vulnerable people who are being, who are dying and being abused because we have an open border. God will hold America accountable for that. He must because he loves people. And he hates to see what happens to them. Someone say, yeah, but no, this is the dispensation of grace. This is the age of grace. This is in the New Testament, not the Old Testament judge, God of, of, of judge. I want to tell you something. The new covenant changed how we're saved. It didn't change God. Right? I'm going to, I want to give you three quick examples. I talk a lot many times about how important it is to, under, to know the, the Old Testament and the stories because it reveals so much about God. So can I give you three quick ones? You're going to hang with me, right? Genesis 15, uh, this is the time where God gives his, his makes his covenant with Abraham. This is very specific. In verse 16, he, he speaks and says to, to, to Abraham, you're going to have this land, but, you, but not now, because the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full. Right? And I've mentioned this before. All right? And he talks about what's going to happen when Joshua leads the Israelites into the land, it's been almost 600 years since the promise. That God waited for 600 years, roughly, for a sinful people to not deserve his wrath. God didn't just kick those people out because he'd rather have the Israelites living nearby. <laughs> because they were become so evil and corrupt that there was no other solution. And for the sake of future generations and children who would not, to keep them from being abused and suffer the destructing elements that happen with such 
when such corruption takes a hold of, of societies, he had to bring an end to them. That's what happened in Genesis chapter 6 with, with Noah and the people. That, that, that The thoughts of men was only evil all the time. There was no other solution but to start over. God is a God of love, right? To be a God of love, he must love righteousness. He loves people because what happens when righteousness prevails in a nation? The people are blessed. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to enjoy the life he's given you. He made this incredible earth. I mean, what an amazing thing he's, he's created for us. That we might enjoy this life he's given to us. And therefore, anything that comes in that actually destroys that, that destroys hearts and minds and identities and bodies and futures, he can't, he, he hates that. And with time, he must come and judge it. How about, think about, in, about Nineveh. Nineveh is a great example. Jonah comes out there. This is around the beginning of the 8th century B.C. And of course, you understand in B.C., you're counting backwards, right? So the beginning of the of the... 8th century B.C. is actually 799 B.C. That's the beginning. And the end of the, of this, of the 8th century is 700 B.C. That's the end of it because you're going backwards. Um, uh, anyway, so, so Jonah speaks, goes into Nineveh. You know the whole story and the whale and all that stuff, right? But that's right around the beginning of the 8th century B.C., right around the 790s B.C. And... and to Jonah's disgust, <laughs> the Ninevites listen to him. And they repent. This wicked, I mean, they were evil like ISIS. You understand? They, that's, that's the kind of evil. That's why Israel hated them. Because they, they did atrocious things to, their, to their, uh, the people they didn't. I mean, they horrend, horrendous things. But God forgave them. And then in, and then, Later on, the prophet Nahum comes along. It's been 150 years, roughly, since they repented under Noah. And now Nahum comes and pronounced judgment upon them. And it's interesting, in between these two events, God uses Nineveh that had repented as his rod of correction on the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes in 722 used them to cast them out of their land. You see, in, nine, in the year 930 B.C., when uh, Jeroboam led the ten tribes to separate from Judah and make their own kingdom, he established a golden calf at the southern border and the northern border to keep them from going to Israel, to Jerusalem, I mean, and returning to God. That kingdom never had a godly king. They never served God. They had always idolatry. And of course, if, if sin is allowed to, to reign, it just, you just go from bad to worse. It's like cancer. It's like rot. It's like corruption. It just, and, but even then, it was a hundred and tier, hundred, a two hundred, um, the northern kingdom existed for 200 and about eight years before they finally were judged. And when Nineveh went in and was used by that as God's correction, um, 
in Isaiah chapter 10, he's, God speaks about that in verse 5 and 6. says, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, in, in, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. I send him against a godless nation, speech in, speaking of the northern kingdom. I dispatch him against a people who anger me, to seize loot and snatch plunder and to trample them un, down like mud in the streets. But he says, Woe to them. He goes on and says, Woe to you because you went beyond what I told you to do. And in your pride, you lifted yourself up. And, and he says, I'm bringing judgment on you for how you did. Guess when he brought judgment? 110 years later. It's important you understand the, these, these uh, things. How about this verse? For 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. 2 Peter 3 says, but, not forget, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. Hear this, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 400 years, 600 years, 210 years, 150 years. God never changed. If he, if he brought judgment... You know, it was the last resort. But the new covenant is how we were, is, is about how we are saved. In, in the Old Testament, by faith, you look forward to the sacrifices. You look forward uh, to the coming Messiah uh, the, 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 and the sacrifices and, and, the, and, the, and the rituals. They were um, pointing to the uh, Messiah who would come and, and forgive your sin and these kind of things. But in, and so... Um, because as it, Hebrews 10 says, it, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away your sin. It didn't do it. No, as an Old Testament follower of, of Jehovah God, you in faith gave these sacrifices and, and did these various th- things out of your faith that God was your father. And that these were, they, 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 your sin was forgiven by the grace of God through your faith in him to do it. And now the New Testament, with the same faith, we look back at what Christ did to us, did for us, right? It's always been by grace through faith, always. God never changed, but now we look back in that. And so this is the good part, right? We get good part, we'll, we'll finish this up, all right? Um, And there's the scriptures about how God never changes. Romans 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Well, of course he heard not. First uh, Samuel 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Uh, Malachi 3, 6. I, the Lord, do not change. O you descendants of Jacob. Uh, that's why you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. I don't change, meaning I don't back away from my promises. I promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you would endure, and that's why you endure it, and on and on. Our God never changes. Amen? We know that America was founded on biblical principles that, that the record would show were thundered from many of the pulpits in the colonies in the 17th and 18th century. Um, and... Um, and I, I would be afraid for today that 
that uh, because of, I don't know how many decades or more of, of silent, disengaged, or in, intimidated pulpits in our nation, we are significantly at a, at a, a place of significant risk of, of extinction as a nation. We, can we call it what it is? Right? But the good news is all is not lost, right? Second Chronicles 7.14, maybe you've heard that verse before, Right? That if we will humble ourselves and pray, seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he'll heal our land. That is still the promise. Because that's the desire of God. He doesn't want to bring the judgment. That's why it took so long. You know, generations, even centuries. And God has no desire to bring America to an end. Revival. We know that before any time there's been revival and awakening, any move of God, there's been... There, what there hasn't been is what we see happening a lot today, this triumphalism. Well, you call it that. We're just going to... We're going to take our ground. We're going we're to claim this. No, it's always been humility, a brokenness before God. We humble ourselves before God and says, God, we have sinned. If God is not re- ruling and reigning in the church, it's not the fault of the pagans and the and the and the... The liberals and the socialists, no, it's because somehow we pushed them out. And that's where we are the answer. And that's why we, I hope you can join us to pray tonight, we, that we would pray and seek God and find that place where we need you. Forgive us for, for how, we'll, how we have pushed you out, whatever, whatever, whatever that looks like. However we've done that, I'd, show us, Lord. You know, we got these, the, the regimes that, that cry out death to Israel and death to America. They mean what they say, but guess what? So does our God. And like his words through the Apostle Peter, First Peter, we read this a couple of weeks ago, First Peter 3, 14, it says, Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Amen? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Somebody say amen to that, huh? Right? See, even the demonic cannot thwart the plans of God and the purposes of God, and his people are always in his hand. Amen? In, in God's hand. Genesis 50, 20, you know, when um, Joseph and his brothers, you know, their father had died, Jacob had died, and the, the brothers were sure that now, now Joseph was going to get back at him for selling him into slavery and all that stuff. And, of course, at this, and now Joseph is, this, is number two in, uh, in Egypt. But he said those, these very familiar words, as you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The same thing today. Any people out there that are trying to bring harm to America, harm especially the people of God, you mean it for harm, my God's going to take it, use it for good. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that I am in his hands. You might think you have victory. You might even be able to take my life, but that's just because he said it's time for me to go. That's it. But it's his purposes that will prevail at the end of all this. Amen? Because he is God and they are not. Just a little quick. Anybody hear about this? The new speaker of the house? Put your hand up if you think you would like how that caught you off guard. How that happened. Behind the scenes, our congresswoman 
was the one who nominated him. She felt led, like the Lord was prompting her, that she should nominate this guy. And, and she has a weekly prayer call, Monday through Friday, that you could get on if you want to. And she had asked for prayer, and there had been prayer going on leading up to this, and especially the night before she was going to give, she had a speech to nominate him. And pe- there was prayer going on all, all over the place. And, and, sh- and so she gets up, the, and in one vote, I mean, listen, Jim Jordan, I think he's a phenomenal defender of truth. He's a bold. Well, I, how did he not get it? You know, Steve Scalise, you know, that they about took his life because he's such a conservative. He stood up. And, they couldn't get any. And all of a sudden, this this guy, he actually was like the deputy whip. Um, he was in kind of the the House Republican leadership kind of, you know, but in one vote, this guy loves Jesus with all his heart. And what I understand, too, is that he was a lawyer for the Alliance Defending Freedom. Right? We are, we, we send them money every year so that, um, so that if, if some were trying to come against us as a church for religious freedom, then they would defend us for free. That's, how did he get there? I'm going to tell you, just like in Acts 2, Peter tells the day of Pentecost, you killed the author of life. You just did what God had already planned, what he had, his set purpose and foreknowledge had determined should should happen. You got played. Listen. The devil is going to win some battles. Wickedness is going to have its way, but they will lose this war. Right? And you and I need to be solid in our faith in God. We need to be solid in our fellowship with the body of Christ. We must be solid in the word of God in prayer and be filled with the spirit of God. And be alert to what's going on. Because when the next thing that happens in this in America, I believe it'll be it'll it'll be atrocious. It'll be it'll be evil, and I'm I'm concerned it could involve children in schools. But listen, the enemy action is not about the action; it's about the reaction. Right? They aren't doing that because they want to. Kill people. They want to put fear inside the rest of us that we give up. That's what they tried to do. That's why they, those, those Hamas terrorists were, were taking the victim's phone and, vi- and, and taking a video of the horrible things they did to them and killing them. And then since their phone was active, were able to post the, these horrible pictures of the victim on the victim's Facebook page using their phone. The purpose, and then the, I mean, the things they did to babies, they really did do to babies. For the purpose of, of draining the will out of the Israelites and just having to surrender. Well, they've miscalculated, right? But if we recognize what 
what's happening in this day. And we understand, we didn't, I didn't pick that song, How Great Is Our God, just because I like the song. But that we would say, how great is my God. It doesn't matter what's happening. He is greater than all you ISIS people, all you, all you Iranian, all you folks. In fact, there's something more that they might not be planning on. Listen, like they cry out, um, um, uh, death to Israel and so like that. We have, we have our own cry. What is it? Life to Israel. Life to America. How about life to the terrorists in their sleeper cells right in this country right now in Jesus' name? The, the God, you can, you visited, he's visited Iranian Muslims in Iran in their sleep and called them to himself. If he can do that in Iran, why can't he do that right here? Listen, they're, they're planning all kinds of things, but my God is bigger. And I, when, when the church begins to humble themselves and pray, God begins to move. We know that prayer moves the hand of God and prayerlessness d- does nothing. Right? But if we will put, get ourselves in the place before God, we need to be. As priests, right? We're, we're a kingdom of priests, right? Who, who intercede for, our, for, the, for the people to God, and we, we call the people back to him. Amen? That's what our role is. That only who knows what, what God can do. Um, uh, that as they, they could begin to plan their deeds of, of darkness and, and death, and, and somehow one of them gets a revelation that, that Jesus is, is, is the Messiah. Allah is, Allah is nothing uh, and it's a lie and, and this could sabotage the very works of darkness and Jesus be glorified because we are here so that God will get glory out of our lives. Amen? That he would get glory in this day. That regardless of what happens, he will get glory. I just want to be the one helping him get it. Right? Not, not being the one he has to push aside so he can get it. I say, I'm getting out of the way. And I, whatever I can do, that you, God, you get glory. And I don't know about, about you, but, but the more I talk about it, the more that grips me personally. The, the one purpose, the destiny for which he has created you and I, that he would get glory out of our lives. That we would wake up from slumbering in our pretty little sanctuaries and stand up in the marketplace, stand up in the city hall, in the schoolhouse, in the board meetings. That truth would be the standard once again. Amen? Amen. And that his Holy Spirit would fill his church once again. Go ahead. I, you don't believe in speaking in tongues? Or people? You know, I, I just want God to, to move with power. And so if you want us to speak in tongues, then do it. If it's you, then do it. I just want you, right? I'm not seeking some little gift here or there. I, we want you. Amen? And stop trying to tell God what he can't do. Because somehow some teacher on the radio said he stopped doing it. Amen? Troubling times are ahead for us in this country. Um, but those who know their God don't have to be overcome. Right? First John 3.13. And just end with this. He says, don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Alright? In First Peter 4. Uh, 12 and 13, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Amen. Amen. And when we are so set, when trouble comes, we can help others find the way. Amen.
because he loves them. He loves America. He loves the, the, the Palestinian people. He loves those who are planning evil, but if they do not repent, God will bring judgment upon them for the sake of the others that they would harm because he loves righteousness. Amen? So let's stand. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord. Just bow your heads. Jesus, we just want you to awaken us right now. Can you just tell him that? Lord, just awaken us to what we need to be awakened to. Fill us, Lord. We need your filling with your spirit, Lord. Empower us, Lord. I, but God, right now, I, I just pray for, as, as we, my wife shared about the, to examine ourselves, Lord, that even right now, Lord, are we right with you? Are we, way, are we where we need to be with you? But I want to be, I want to be where you want me to be. I want to be that person spiritually, personally with you. Forgive me for my sin, my doubts, my worry, my complaining. God, we want you to get glory in this day and that you would crush the deeds of darkness in such a way that it is without question that God has settled upon this place. That you and your mighty hand have worked your great work in this land. So that those in, deceived in one way or another would see that you are God and no one else. And you would be glorified in this day. You'd be glorified. Hallelujah. Maybe you'd pray a prayer of commitment with me. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to examine my heart. Show me what you want to show me. Forgive me for what has displeased you. Cleanse my heart and mind. I surrender myself to you. I give myself for your purposes. That you might be glorified. Through my life. And this fellowship of believers here and all around in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I just, I just pray for just an awakening. We just would walk in a, in a new level of being awake and alert. Alert to what your spirit is saying. We understand we're not we're not ignorant of the of the devil's schemes as Paul talks about. And we walk in the reality that is around us, even more so the reality that you are God and it is your set purposes.
that will prevail. And we need not fear the day or shrink back from the challenge that was before us. Make us to be your light. Empower us, Lord, and send us out for your glory and for your praise in Jesus' marvelous name. We thank you for who you are. Come on, let's thank God. We just thank you that you are God. Thank you that you are great and you are mighty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give you, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, Lord bless you. May you I just hope you be encouraged. Not be afraid, right? And come join us tonight. That would be awesome. Six o'clock. Okay.